Hey, what up everybody? It's Norm, and welcome to episode 18 of Faith and Beliefs Refuted. Now, I know I said that I was going to do a response video to every single one of the Faith and Beliefs uh, episodes that Saints Unscripted does, but the last one they did was on Mormons and coffee, essentially the word of wisdom. I really, I mean... There are a lot of Christian religions that, that teach on, you know, abstinence from this food and that food and so on. I honestly, you know, as a former smoker, I'm like, well, you know, I, I can't say I absolutely, I don't think that God condemns anybody who smokes. I don't think smoking is a sin. Um, I think it's, uh, it's not a sin. It's stupid. Um, we'll just put it like that. It's not healthy. It is deadly. Um, but then so is eating cheeseburgers and stuff like that. But so the big push was they were talking about caffeine and so on. I love coffee. I love caffeine. Uh, all I'm going to say about that episode and then we're going to move on to um, other things because, there, I mean, there's not a lot I want. I can say this is what they believe. They believe that Joseph Smith had a revelation. I tend to think it came from Emma's rolling pin other than God because and he David even if you want to look at the video go check out the video Mormons and coffee faith and beliefs on Saints Unscripted um, he even tells a story that you know when they first started the Mormon church all the guys still smoked and chewed tobacco and stuff like that and they were at Joseph's house and Emma came into the room and it stunk from smoke and spit on the floor of tobacco and stuff like that and so she was very upset with it and um and then suddenly joseph got a revelation from god that said nobody should smoke or drink or have coffee or tea which was odd hot drinks are not for the belly um and it wasn't necessarily the caffeine it just says hot drinks are not for the belly so coffee and tea were um were forbidden in the mormon church by the word of wisdom Okay, fine. If that's what you want to believe, I just jump back to the the verse where Jesus says it's not what goes into a man's mouth that makes his unclean his makes him unclean, but what comes out of the mouth is words because essentially they come from the heart, and that's the core of what makes a man unclean. And we all know our hearts are all unclean, and so that's all I have to say about the Mormon Mormon word of wisdom and, you know, the Muslims uh, not eating uh, pig or anything like that, or even now the the kosher laws after um, the Book of Acts and where those laws were um, essentially repealed. God says, "Do not call unclean what I've called clean," and and get up and uh, get up, kill and eat, Peter. Um, and he showed him all the things that were unclean. He said, "Get up, kill and eat." Um, so. I would say to all those uh, different religions that um, forbid different kinds of food, help yourself, because uh, it's not what goes into a man's mouth that makes him unclean, uh, but what comes out of the mouth, because that is, you know, what, as the mouth speaks, is the overflow of the heart, and so, um, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, that's, that's the verse I'm looking for, um, so, you know, it, it may make you unhealthy and you may need to really think about, I mean, I'm a diabetic, so I really have to think about the things that I eat and so on. But 
none of those things are forbidden me scripturally. None of those things are a sin. Um, they're not very smart for me to eat. And, and boy, I'll tell you what, I love my Krispy Kreme. Um, but then I don't love my blood sugar and my A1C when I go see the doctor and then I have to get yelled at and I have to have more medication and, and so on. So that is, I said way more about that than I fully intended to. But now we're going to get into the next episode and he is just, and in this episode he's, he's just giving us the story of what the Book of Mormon is about. So once again, there's not a whole lot that I'm going to refute because the Book of Mormon is about what the Book of Mormon is about, but I'm going to talk about a little bit, and then I'm going to leave you guys with a link to my uh, my old YouTube page where there is a video that I did about the Book of Mormon. And so with that, I am going to go ahead and let David speak to us about the what is the Book of Mormon even about. Okay guys, there are a lot of directions I could go with this video about the Book of Mormon. People have all sorts of questions about it. They want to talk about geography and DNA evidence and honeybees. I'm going to get around to that stuff, but not in this episode. First, people need to have an idea of what the story contained in the Book of Mormon is actually about. This is your official spoiler alert warning. It'll save you from having to read it. The year is about 600 BC. The place? Ancient Jerusalem. The situation? Not good. The people are wicked. They're rejecting the prophets, like Jeremiah, who you can read about in the Bible. The Book of Mormon follows the path of another prophet, Lehi and his family. God warns Lehi about an impending invasion from Babylon and tells him to take his family and get the heck out of Dodge. So Lehi leaves Jerusalem with his wife Sariah and their kids. They've got four sons, Laman, Lemuel, Sam, and Nephi. The family wanders in the wilderness for several years. Lehi has a couple more kids, Jacob and Joseph, and finally... Okay, I know I wasn't going to try to really stop, but one thing that, that makes me wonder, um, throughout the Bible we have books that are written by the major prophets, the prophets that were very uh, key in the history of uh, Israel. Um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel... Amos, Haggai, uh, Hosea, Jonah, so on. Um, and even in, in those, we have the books that they, they wrote and the, the, the specific stories and, and uh, situations they were all in. But there is even places where um, other prophets are named, even though it doesn't go in-depth into their stories um, and so on. There are there are other prophets, false prophets, and so on, that are named in some of those books. Um, yet nowhere in anything in Jeremiah uh, do we see any mention of a prophet named Lehi. Um, now, I'm sure that if we were to really uh, investigate that claim, I would say... As a Mormon myself, once I, when I was a Mormon, my response to that would probably be that is one of the plain and precious parts that is uh, missing from the Bible. Um, but, again, as a Christian, I, I trust the sufficiency, the um, historicity, and the uh, completeness of the Word of God 
and so I wonder why I've never heard the speak of this man Lehi um, ever in the Bible. So, just my thought. Finally, they end up building a ship and traveling to the Americas. They weren't the first people to discover the Americas, nor the only people there. But once Lehi's family gets there, some family issues cause a division. The family members that believe in God's revelations leave with Nephi to start their own settlement. Those that don't believe stay behind with Laman and Lemuel. This is the foundation for pretty much the rest of the Book of Mormon's story. Generations pass and both the Nephites and the Lamanites develop into powerful nations. Most of the Book of Mormon is about the relationship between these two nations. Now, just like the Bible, the Book of Mormon has a ton of books in it. The guy who edited all of these books into one anthology was an ancient prophet, a descendant of Nephi, named Mormon, hence the Book of Mormon. The first two books were written by Nephi. He then passes the baton to his younger brother Jacob, who passes it to his son Enos, who gives it to his son Jerem, to his son Omni, etc. Then Mormon throws a few editorial thoughts in there. After that, we continue with the story of a Nephite prophet and king named Mosiah. After he dies, his best friend's son, Alma, takes the reins. He's both the political and the religious leader of the Nephites at this time. A ton of wars happen in the Book of Alma, but there are also some priceless teachings about faith and some great missionary stories about Mosiah's sons, who are friends of Alma. The next book is Helaman. Helaman was Alma's great-grandson. More wars and prophecies of Christ in this book. It gets really interesting because there's a time when the Lamanites actually get their crap together, more so even than the Nephites. Helaman's grandson, also named Nephi, keeps the record next. At this point, about 600 years have passed since the first Nephi left Jerusalem. Third Nephi covers the birth of Jesus Christ. Of course, Christ was born in Bethlehem, so the people in the Americas just had to rely on what the prophets had foretold about Christ, which was quite a bit. They lived the Law of Moses, but they knew Christ would come, and they knew salvation came through Christ. They received signs of his birth and of his death. After his death, Christ himself appeared to the Nephites and taught and expounded upon the same gospel he taught the Jews during his life, which we read about in the Bible. This is the main event of the Book of Mormon. Everything is leading up to Christ. After Christ's ministry in the Book of Mormon, we read in 4th Nephi that there are like 200 awesome years of peace. Everyone is righteous, they're all prospering in every sense of the word, and then things start to spiral downhill again. Then we get to the Book of Mormon, within the Book of Mormon, which is the history written by our editor, Mormon. In this book, he basically describes the complete annihilation of the entire Nephite nation at the hands of the Lamanites. The Book of Ether comes next, which is a flashback to the story of a completely different group of people from the Middle East. They're fleeing from the Tower of Babel, and they come to the Americas centuries before Lehi and Nephi. It adds a ton of depth to the Book of Mormon. And the Book of Mormon ends with the Book of Moroni, who is Mormon's son. Moroni buries the record and then, as an angel, like 1400 years later, tells Joseph Smith where to find it. Joseph translates it into English, gets it printed, and voila! Now you can read it. If you don't have a physical copy, you can read it online using the link below. There's also a link for an article that goes a little more in-depth into the Book of Mormon's story. Check it out, have a great day, and we'll see you next time. All right, so there we go. Um, what the Book of Mormon is about, um, a quick synopsis of the books and so on. Here are my issues with this. Uh, 
Joseph Smith said that the Book of Mormon was the most correct book of any book, and a man could get closer to God by following its precepts than any other book in uh, known to man. Essentially, it's not a direct quote. I screwed it up, but close enough. Um, but yet, the Book of Mormon has had to have been changed thousands of times since it was written, supposedly through divine revelation. Um, and so, and again, there are all kinds of, of uh, excuses that are made for this. That it was the printer's fault. It was this and this and that. Um, but ultimately, it none of those stand up to the scrutiny um, to, to actually make the Book of Mormon the most correct book of any book. The other issue that I have is supposedly the Book of Mormon contains... The fullness of the everlasting gospel. That Jesus, when he came to earth in Jerusalem, according to Mormonism, his purpose was to establish his church, the Mormon church, which has a distinct structure, um, has distinct ceremonies, has distinct rituals, none of which we find in the Bible, in the way that it's set up in the Mormon church. We see uh, things uh, taken out of context that they try to make look like is what they are. You know, things about Jesus sending the 70 and the 12 apostles and so on. But those things don't necessarily line up with what the Mormon church teaches. Um, we see things like baptisms for the dead and, and so on, uh, where they take a verse out of context to try to convince people that we, they should be baptized for the dead. But it's actually Paul um, refuting that practice and questioning why they would even do that when they don't even believe in the resurrection. And so that is proven to be not something that is scripturally something that was done in the early church in i mean even in all of the writings of the early church fathers we see none of this we don't see any of it in the book of mormon either we don't see temple marriages we don't see endowments we don't see baptisms for the dead we don't see any of these things in the book of mormon because they were all things that joseph made up later they were all things that came about later. If the Book of Mormon contains the fullness of the everlasting gospel, and the gospel, according to Mormonism, is the, the rules and guidelines and so on, the things that, that we are supposed to live by and do in order to be exalted and live with Heavenly Father again one day, why are none of those things in the Book of Mormon? None. That's my biggest question. That is the biggest question. Again, there's a guy named Greg, guy named Greg Trimble that did a blog years ago, and my video is about four or five years old now. Um, and I'll leave a link to it in the uh, in the comments in the description below, and you can go look at that. It's about 20 minutes, um, and it, he asks 11 questions. He says there's 11 questions that 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 have to be answered to prove that the Book of Mormon is a fraud with the the assumption that these are questions that can't be answered. I answered all of those questions. 
and show that the Book of Mormon is a fraud. Um, so I'll, I won't rehash all of that here. I'm going to just leave you with those, those two thoughts. If the Book of Mormon is so correct, why did it need to be changed? And multiple times over multiple years, even to the point where he doesn't tell you in the story of what the Book of Mormon is about, that the, the reason why the Lamanites became Native American dark-skinned people is because of their sin, and that the, the Book of Mormon at one point, and then changed, and then changed back, and then changed again, taught that when they repented of their sin, they would become white and delightsome. And so, we don't see that. Um, but that's one of the things that has changed multiple times. If this was translated by the power of God, why would that ever have to be changed? Changing the word white to pure, back to white, and then back to pure again, um, is not, I mean... You can't blame that on a printer anymore because you've done it more than once. You're literally changing the meaning of a verse. And then the other thing is why is none of the 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 temple ceremonies or any of the even even the reference to the temple um well it may be there um but none of the the endowment ceremonies none of the temple ceremonies that we see that are requirements for exaltation now appear in the Book of Mormon. They all come later. They're all um, Doctrine and Covenants. So that's it. That's Those are the questions that I'm going to leave you with in this episode, and we're just going to leave it at that. So I hope this was helpful. Uh, again, hit me up with any comments or questions you might have. Uh, hit me up on Facebook. Subscribe. Share the video. Um, do what it is you have to do. Hit the notifications button if YouTube actually lets that work. But as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They are necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.